Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. Hello, Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babu, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey guys, Perry here. Before we continue today's episode of Collider Movie Talk, I have a big question for you. Have you ever played Forge of Empires? It's a city-building game and also one of our sponsors for today's show. In Forge of Empires, you can guide a village through the different epics of human history from the Stone Age to the future. Through skillful planning on the battlefield, you can expand your sphere of influence and create an impressive empire. And what's more, there are continuous content updates to ensure years of fun together with millions of players around the world. And guess what? You can switch between browser, iOS, and Android devices at any time while playing the game. And if you're new to Forge of Empires, there is some great news coming your way right now. Because for a limited time, Collider fans can go to ForgeofEmpires.com backslash Collider and get a bonus of $10 worth of diamonds. Download the game today by clicking the link in the description section of this video in order to get yourself a $10 starter package. And this is going to give you 650 diamonds to start building your own empire right now. Diamonds are virtual in-game currency, no cash payout, only for new registrations and not transferable. Simply go on over to forgeofempires.com backslash collider right now. Download, install, click, claim gift, and then get your 650 diamonds right from the start. Stay Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Orangutans. They're beautiful, playful, and majestic, and disappearing. Every day, as many as 20 orangutans vanish. They starve to death when their homes are destroyed or are killed when they stray into villages in search of food. International Animal Rescue is fighting for the survival of the critically endangered orangutan. But we can't do it without you. 
please visit internationalanimalrescue.org and help us save orangutans before it's too late. That's internationalanimalrescue.org. It's movie talk time, and of course, we are talking about the brand new Lion King trailer. On top of that, wow, more box office numbers are coming in for Avengers Endgame. And then we're jumping into Shazam to talk about a pretty spoiler-heavy topic. So for those of you who haven't seen the movie, you might want to skip that section, but it's some interesting stuff there, and I get to break it all down with Angie Han and Haley Fouch. Angie, welcome back. Oh, thank Yay. you. I'm so glad to be here, especially with Haley this I time. was going to say, tell everybody the only reason you came back today. Haley, 100% yeah, uh-huh. Haley, not I, you, Perry, just to be clear. You know, I take no offense whatsoever because I have the same mentality when I get to be on a show with Haley. So, oh, Haley, you cue guys. the blush. Let's just get like, yeah, right there. Just look dead yeah, into the camera no, and blush now. You're going to watch me go all red. I put on makeup, you guys. <laughs> you're so colorful today, though. It suits the outfit. All right. We have so much to get into. And I cannot wait to talk about this brand new Lion King trailer that we got today. Of course, this is John Favreau's movie. It opens up on July 19th and features the voices of Donald Glover, Seth Rogen, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Billy Eichner, Beyonce, James Earl Jones, and so many more that we don't have time to keep listing them off. Let's start with you, Angie. What was your initial reaction to this trailer? Did it do it for you? Uh, yes and no. Like, I still am very skeptical of this entire project. Like, not in the fact that, like, I don't think it's going to be financially successful or that it's going to be good at what it's trying to achieve. I'm just not sure I'm on board with what it's trying to achieve, which seems to be making a shot-for-shot remake. That said, as skeptical as I was going in, that song, like, the music, it's so hard to resist. Like, I was like, I was like, I don't want this. I'm not into this. And then the score kicked in, and I was like, I mean, god damn it. Yeah, I, I think this thing is kind of undeniable. I'm already obsessed with it, and maybe I'm getting a little too far ahead of myself without having seen the full feature, but it's just the feeling you get from watching a trailer like that and seeing repeat imagery like that. I think in particular, if I could pick the one thing that's... When I first watched it, honestly, I started to tear up. It was the shot of uh, Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa as it, it kind of transitions from one setting to the next to the next because that was just one of my favorite uh, sequences in the actual uh, animated movie that we had. And seeing that again, I mean, that was the point in the trailer where I got the goosebumps and the chills and I really just got excited about the idea of even if they don't add anything new to the story this is still a piece that is going to rock me to my core and I don't know if I can handle it but I think that's a good thing at this point (laughs) Haley which side of the divide do you fall on I'm a little bit on both which is kind of standard on brand for me I I there are a lot of things I really like about it I love a cast that's so good you run out of breath before you finish it that's Hmm. fantastic in a film I the trailer itself it looks fine it looks good but my thing is it's the it's the same thing they've been selling us on this movie the whole way through which is the nostalgia factor and the oh my goodness the, the effects are so amazing factor and you have this incredible cast but we haven't got to really get a sense of them in these roles at mm-hmm. all yet and that's something I really want to see sold a little bit more than just what we already love about Lion King but I have to say to Angie's point I was a little grumbly about it I was like I don't know if I want to watch these photo real animals kill each other and do other things that animals do but then that song at the end and little little Timon with his head in the air wooing really kind of won me over yeah I mean I get it like I get why people like these movies I get 
get why we all feel so nostalgic and excited about them. I get why they continue to make so much money and why Disney keeps making them. But I also like there's there's still just part of me that's just like, but I want to know why we're doing this whole thing other than just we were able to pay a lot of expensive people a lot of money to make this very expensive movie so that we can make money. Like it just I want to see what else that they've got there. Like, I thought mm-hmm. Cinderella, which is another one of their remakes, is a really good example of something that was a remake, but I did think kind of, like, added new depth to the story, mm-hmm. new dimensions that I hadn't considered. And, like, I came out of that one feeling like, I'm really glad that I saw that, even though I'm familiar with the original. I'm still waiting to see if I'm going to feel like that about this one. Who knows? Maybe, but... My girl, I'm always repping Cinderella on here. Always. Yeah. So based on what you've seen from the movie thus far, because we're constantly talking about the shot-for-shot remake thing, there's a million things on Twitter right now where it has the comparison between this live action version and then the animated version. In the end, do you really think that this is going to be close to a shot for shot remake or is there something that they something that they have up their sleeve that's going to add a little bit of an extra layer to it? There's going to be an original song by Beyonce. Would be my guess. I don't know anything for sure, but I mean like why would you have Beyonce mm-hmm. in your movie if you're not going to try to compete for an original song Oscar? And just leave it at yeah. that. Like no extra layer to the story, let's say. I would also guess that because Beyonce is playing Nala that that role might be beefed up a bit because again you've got Beyonce and Nala doesn't have that much to do in the original especially the adult version so that's just that's my guess there's also some extra stuff in the stage version that I guess they could draw from but who knows if they will as we've discussed before Nala does give her sexy look that everybody <laughs> is going to have seared in their brain after they see oh, it in live action <laughs> photo real sexy lions oh, do we you think it's it. going to wind up being photo just photo real uh, just a shot for shot remake or is there something else that you're seeing right now I mean, that kind of goes back to what I was saying is like all they're selling us is what we already know. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to tell because they're pitching it as a huge nostalgia factor film. And my guess is that it's going to be heavily leaning into uh, more of a shot for shot situation with I think all of your guesses are extremely smart and you're probably right. With Beyonce comes a lot Hmm. of like work this around Beyonce. Uh, So we'll see about that. I'm... I have faith in John Favreau. I find him to be one of the underrated, crowd-pleasing directors out there. He doesn't really get a lot of credit for launching the MCU the way that he did, and he always, whether he's making movies about superheroes or photorealistic animals or a chef who runs a food cart, his movies just make people happy. So I'm, that's what really, uh, even though I'm not totally won by what we've seen yet, I have a lot of faith that he's going to make a movie I enjoy watching. Well, that's the thing that I keep wrestling with is, you know, what if if it does come the time and this is basically a copy and paste of the original animated movie because I, I am always asking myself the question why why do we need this what did we get from this one that we didn't get from the previous incarnation and I have no solid answer but based on just the feelings I've had watching these first teaser trailers and I guess I don't know if this is considered a first full trailer probably not but these first pieces of footage from this movie just that feeling is kind of enough for me. I feel like I feel like I kind of feel hollow about the fact that everything that's working for me is stuff that it's just based on redoing the original. But I will say, in Disney's defense, I mean, nostalgia is a great way to sell this movie. If there is new stuff, I don't blame them for not wanting to sh- show us what it is right away. So, I mean, maybe there is more stuff that we're just not seeing yet. Well, they do have a lot of time until that July 19th release date. Exactly. So I have a feeling a full story trailer is going to come our way pretty soon at this point. Do you think Mufasa's going to die in this movie? Because I don't know. The trailer made me a little worried about him. Did it tip you off when we were watching it together? And I'm like, he dead. 
I was just like bold, bold prediction, Perry. I'm just happy to know that no matter how we feel about the film, we're all going to collectively go, aww, every time Simba comes on Probably. screen. Probably. Yeah. Every time. I wonder if the uh, the hair technology in the new Cats movie is oh, going to be able to rival this. See, now that is a movie I'm dying to see. <laughs> so many burning that. questions about exactly. that. I, I really, even if it's for the wrong reasons, I cannot wait to cover that movie more. Same. <laughs> all right. Right now, we got to move into our next topic, and this is the spoiler-filled Shazam section of the show that we teased earlier. So, now's the time. Tune out if you haven't seen the movie, because we're going to spoil something that happens at the very end of it. So, this is it. The spoiler alert is up. It's going to happen right now. So, this is all about the cameo that we got at the end of the movie. So, of course, Shazam is a standalone story that functions on its own, but there were a number of little bits of connective tissue to the DC film franchise that we know of, but one thing where it was a character that we got in the flesh was an appearance by Superman at the end of the movie when he finally steps in. Shazam returns to uh, to the lunchroom, and he finally finally gives Freddy the opportunity to kind of, you know, show off how he's friends with Shazam to all of his classmates. And on top of that, that's when Superman steps in and we get just this great hard cut out of Freddy's reaction to the the, uh, credits of the movie. And I freaking loved it. The thing is, though, apparently... Henry Cavill was originally approached to play Superman in that moment, and producer Peter Safran was talking to uh, comicbook.com about this, and here's what he told them. At one point, we'd hoped it was going to be Cavill doing it, but unfortunately, his schedule didn't allow him to do it. We still wanted to do it anyway, and it turned out to be better because it, it let us do the hard cut on Freddy's reaction, because if we had Cavill there, we'd actually written lines. They had a dialogue, but then it's a little bit of a hat on hat because really what it's about is Freddie's reaction so we got to get out on that all right first up i'm a little curious because every single time we hear something like and i'm not saying creative differences were a factor here but you know like creative differences scheduling issues because on collider.com adam chit would kind of broke down cavill's schedule and he's saying that mission impossible fallout was filming around the time that shazam was but that it would have been finished in time for cavill to take part in this cameo so the question then becomes do you believe the scheduling issue thing or maybe could it have been the studio having cold feet about Committing Cavill to continuing to play Superman when the franchise seems to be going in new directions right now. I'm going to let you take it with your big, beautiful brain. I like what you said about Beyonce. <laughs> Give me your thoughts. Oh, wow. Now, now that's a lot of pressure. Oh, I mean, sure, it could be scheduling conflicts, even if he's not do, filming Mission Impossible. Maybe there are other reasons why he can do it. It could be that. But I also don't know why. Like, I don't know that they necessarily would have, and this is just me speculating, I don't know why they would, like, I don't know that they necessarily had a reason to try that hard mm-hmm. to work around it. It's not integral to the movie. Um, I do think that, as uh, the producer said, it, um, like, that it may be actually even works better without him and it did it also seemed like the movie as a whole was kind of treading lightly with its connections to the other dc movies like there are definitely references to it you see like you know like the batarang from justice league and batman v superman like you see that you see like the aquaman reference and all that but they it, it did seem like they were trying to kind of reference those things without leaning too far in the direction of like this is all connected so i think it kind of works i think it works better like the way it is now honestly yeah i really loved the way they wove in the other like the existence of the other dc characters because 
it, it was done in a way where it felt very natural to me, and it also felt like it was kind of celebrating the other films, too. Like, basically, Freddy was there to celebrate the existence of superheroes, and it was part of who he was as a person, and he also just, he kind of wore his heart on his sleeve, and I love that quality to it. And just like Saffron said, I loved that hard cut. That is that is a comedic beat right there. It's a comedic and a joyful beat. And I think if you had maybe ran into a full-blown... I'm not saying that they couldn't have achieved something similar, because I don't know what the dialogue would have been in that conversation, but it plays so, so well as is that it's very tough for me to imagine it having been better if there was a conversation. Yeah, it, it like the way it is now at the moment gets to be about Freddy instead of uh, about like everyone speculating, like, oh my gosh, does this mean it's part of the Justice League universe? Are they going to team up in the next movie like is wonder woman gonna appear now like so i like that they kind of didn't play it too hard it's a nice little uh sort of isolated crystallized incident that really demonstrates how sometimes just doing the right thing in this small moment for the one film is better than working on the connected film universe mm-hmm. instead I, w- I am a fan of cavill's superman as i tend to say on here and uh man of steel is actually one of my more preferred films out of the modern leg of dc movies But that being said, I agree with you both. I like it the way it is. I think it's a stronger ending, a stronger moment, the way it plays. Does it also, yes, free Warner Brothers up a whole lot in whatever they want to do from here? Absolutely. And it's very clear that they're in a refiguring process that is leading to creative choices. So all around, I think it it worked out for the best. My hope is that it doesn't mean any bad things for Cavill's Superman. It was just an adjustment period. But, you know, we'll see. That's obviously an ongoing thing that we will discuss. It would be such a shame if we lost Henry Cavill in that role before getting a proper Man of Steel 2. Like, I cannot repeat that enough. I I'm I'm right mean, what if they give him Man from Uncle 2 instead? Oh, I'd be like, all yeah. for it. You know how I feel about Man from Uncle. I, I feel like party. that is hands down one of the most underseen and underrated action comedies out there. I think yes. he is delightful and so is Army Hammer. We need more Man from Uncle fans now. I like that this conversation evolved into a Man from Uncle appreciation. I feel like you will always manage to achieve either a conversation going in that direction or straight to Alien Covenant. It's one or the other. Either way. I can't wait until we can bring you back for the day that we discuss a Disney Alien continuation. I'm so nervous there. I'm so nervous. Well, it was actually at a CinemaCon, wasn't it? Didn't they name drop it? They kind of hinted at, they just mentioned Alien as like a franchise that they thought that they might do more with, but it's very, very vague. It's unclear what, if anything, or when this would happen. I'm guessing, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that you're on my side, that if they were going to make another Alien movie, you want to see Ridley finish his weird little trilogy before uh, they move on? Yes. Go. Yes. Yes. 10,000%. <laughs> this is one Remember of the, the biggest Alien Covenant fans I, just, I know. I'm wearing, literally, I wore my <laughs> Alien Covenant t-shirts to here Bravo. so that I could Bravo. represent the fans. Yep. Wow, that is the cheesiest thing I've ever said. Anyway, Aww. go on. It was uh, heartfelt. We we love it. It's okay. You express your alien legion. covenant. No, I, seriously. There I feel, are dozens I feel like, of us. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we've expressed fandom in so many different ways. And you know what? Everybody's allowed to love what they love. And if you don't love it, that's fine. Let somebody else love, love what they love. You know what we love here? We love Star Wars Celebration. And we're going. We're leaving, actually, tomorrow. You're still getting an episode of Movie Talk. But, oh, wow, do you have so much celebration coverage coming your way right here on Collider Video, also on Collider.com as well. This is also my opportunity to remind you guys we're taking your live Twitter questions at the end of the show. Start sending them in right now using the hashtag Collider Movie Talk. 
short, sweet, unique, and then maybe we will pick it and ask it on the show. All right. Story number three today is bringing Avengers Endgame back into the fold because we've got yet another box office report for you. According to a press release sent out by Fandango earlier today, Avengers Endgame sold five times as many tickets as Infinity War sold in its first seven days of pre-sales. And now apparently Fandango's uh, exhibition partners are posting new show times, some of which start as early as 4 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. on Friday the 26th. And then on top of that, it's not just Fandango. We have Adam Tickets saying that Endgame sold twice as many tickets in the first week as the next four record holders combined. And those record holders are Aquaman, The Last Jedi, Infinity War, Captain Marvel. We kind of spoke a little bit about this before we even started rolling. But now you guys know I am firmly in the camp that I think Avengers Endgame is going to wind up being the very first movie to open north of $300 million. Do you join me in that club based on hearing this report absolutely i mean i was already leaning towards that anyway but now i the numbers you just cited are insane they're they're frankly hard to believe i know i'm not sitting here going it's a marvel conspiracy but it's really hard for me to wrap my head around numbers in advance that are that strong i don't see how it could not cross that line at this point i mean as you pointed out it would be the first film to ever do that so just on that level a part of me is a little skeptical that said if any movie is going to pull that off it's probably this one, at least for the foreseeable future. So, maybe? Sure. Well, then the question becomes, because this is something else we brought up earlier, it's still crazy to me that Avatar is so, like, far and away the biggest moneymaker there is. So, opening weekend is one thing. If this thing wound up posting a $300 million plus opening, it would be historic, a major thing to applaud, but also, legs are super important. Are we also talking about this movie becoming the highest moneymaker of all time? I think it's pretty likely. I mean, especially if it's outperforming Infinity War at this rate, and it offers something Infinity War didn't, supposedly having not obviously seen it, but closure, which is something like a lot of fans are going to want after that Infinity War ending. Um, the only, like, the main obstacle, I guess, for legs would be the the number of people who aren't going the first weekend who also are going to go, ooh, three hours pass. Like, there are definitely... Mm-hmm. We exist within the nerdosphere where we're all like, we've accepted three hours. I know many people without of that sphere who are like, absolutely not. So we'll see how much of the broader public is willing to, A, give that time up in the first place, which I think most people will do once, but how about repeat viewings? Mm -hmm. And just to paint a little bit of a picture here, so right now Avatar has $2.788 billion worldwide. The next thing after that is Titanic with $2.187. I mean, that's a pretty significant gap right there so to have endgame just leap up and cross all of that is an extremely tall order i mean i might sound like a broken record in terms of me not believing the 300 million was a possibility and then all of a sudden changing my tune but it still seems like a stretch i still look at avatar like a complete anomaly that i really can't quite put a finger on but i don't know we're gonna have to wait and see how things pan out weekend weekend one and then weekend two i mean i think i think 
weekend one, like it being, you know, 300 million, like I think that to me seems like a more attainable goal than being the highest grossing movie ever. Um, and I think that so much more will go into whether this has legs. Like right now, it's it, like it's being sold on hype and the promise that it's going to pay off everything that we've been waiting for and everything. So like people are kind of just buying this product sight unseen, basically, because they're not even telling us that much about it. Um, like it was almost kind of a a foregone conclusion that this was going to make a lot of money but I feel like once that first weekend has passed and once people are thinking about like you know I didn't see it the first weekend but should I see it this weekend should I rewatch it I think at that point so much more is going to go into it like what the word of mouth is mm-hmm. how the reviews are whether it's the kind of movie sometimes a movie is really good but it's not the kind of thing you want to see over and over so you know like I think so much more will go into how long it lasts people keep going back to movies for, for reasons that are different than the reason that they show up in the first weekend so I think a lot of factors are are in play there. There's Absolutely. also the element of Avatar, which is that it was really a pioneering film technologically that kind of sold, not that audiences hadn't seen 3D film before, but mm-hmm. certainly not the way it was used and embraced in that film. And I think that really, like, I remember I worked at a movie theater during that time period and people were just so excited and like, is it really as cool as they say? <laughs> and everybody was just really like, have they finally figured out 3D? And everyone had to see it. And then a lot of people who did see it wanted to see it again to like because they were so blown away by the 3D experience. So it doesn't have that edge. Yeah, and I would also point out that like because of exactly what you're saying, the way it was a technical technological marvel, um, people really felt like it was something that you had to see in theaters to get the right. full impact. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if that is as true of Avengers Endgame. I do think the thing it has going for it is that it's such a cultural moment that people might feel like I need to see it just to keep up with my friends and just to be part of this conversation. But I don't but I, I can see like for example like my husband is someone who only kind of cares about these movies like I feel like he's someone who's like I'm fine waiting for it to hit iTunes you know like it's not reinventing the wheel here it's incredible how far in that statement feels to me right now I mean maybe it's because we're just so steeped in it and talk about it every every single second of every single day for the most part but it's like my brain almost like doesn't compute that mentality when it comes to this specific movie anymore it's a little scary I know what you mean, and that's why it's good sometimes to talk to people who are not other right. like nerd yes. girls or film critics because you're like, right, other people exist and they do other things besides talk about superheroes. You gotta step out of the bubble every once in a while. Meanwhile, starting tomorrow, I am firmly jumping in the Star Wars bubble, you're and deep I, I'm in the bubble. beyond thrilled to exist in it for a whole three, four days. I can't wait. I'm excited for you. I mean, to, to Angie's point, though, I'm very close with my family, and I hang out with a lot of like 60 to 70 year old women, and they are always like. What are you talking about? And please stop. <laughs> they don't care. I mean, like actually, my family. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying all yeah, older yeah. people don't care, but specifically my family is like, stop talking about <laughs> superheroes. But actually, I do think that's interesting because you were ta- you cited Avatar and Titanic as two of the biggest money makers of all time, and those were both movies where people like your you know o- older relatives or the relatives yeah. or our spouses that don't care about stuff. Like there was there were still reasons for them to watch it. Like Avengers Endgame is the biggest thing if you're someone who's been following these movies this whole time and are deeply invested in this franchise. But if you're not, if yeah. you're like if you're like my mom who still can't quite wrap her mind around the concept of superheroes, let alone why anyone would watch them, like there's nothing that's gonna get her to go to the theater. You and know? funny enough, uh, one of my closest friends and relatives, my aunt, her favorite movie, Avatar. Oh, oh really? We found yeah. one. 
Oh. Uh, she's seen it more than I think I've seen any movie, and you know how I love to rewatch movies. I got li- to be a little fairer with Avatar. I mean, I have not rewatched it in years, so I'm curious to go back to it after all this time and, you know, maybe reassess my lack of hype for a million more <laughs> Avatar movies to come. Now, if James Cameron had directed Avengers Endgame. Right. <laughs> God, who knows? What, the whole world would just explode. I don't even know. I, I don't mean, know if we could handle that. The man is a box office magician. I feel like... <laughs> Like I would yes. be even more firm on the possibility if James Cameron was involved, even if he had just produced it somehow. I wish I could see into the future and know how Avatar 2 does at the box office. Oh I wish gosh. so badly. But before we get there, we got to pull it back quite a bit. And we have to shift gears right now and go into the Conjuring franchise because we had some big news break today, or kind of big news for some of us at least. Apparently, they've got a Nun sequel in the works right now being developed. Here's what, oh, same producer here, Peter Safran told. <laughs> EW, I think there is an inevitability to another nun movie. We have a really fun storyline for that teed up. So I think that that's the next one that will be written. I want to go to you first on this, Angie, because I know you're not super steeped in the Conjuring franchise like uh, Haley and I are. So one, does hearing about another nun movie do anything for you? And if it's not the nun, what would it be that would get you to say, oh, maybe I should jump into the Conjuring franchise? I mean, I've seen the first... I can't remember if I saw Conjuring 2, but I definitely saw one and I saw the first Annabelle. So it's not like I'm completely, it's not like I don't know anything about this franchise. I didn't see the nun. I didn't hear good buzz on it. Did we see the first Annabelle together when I crawled into the window installation? What? In New York. Uh, actually, that sounds possible. Yeah. yeah. That was a thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Yes, I do remember this. You weren't supposed to be there. No, I wasn't. We might have had a drink before. It's fine. Um, so just to answer your first question, no, this does absolutely nothing for me. That said, you know, I'm always open to being surprised. So if the buzz on it is good, I'll go check it out. But, like, just as someone who only somewhat cares about this franchise, doesn't care about the concept of it being a franchise, and didn't watch the first Nun and don't regret it, I can't say that this is this is especially exciting to me. I think of all of those, probably if they made another Conjuring movie, you know, with Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson, that's probably the one that I would theoretically be the most intrigued by. Mm, well, but. we've got good news for you. That's on deck. Well, <laughs> almost like a, a, you know, I was going to say a one-two punch, but it's like a one-one and a quarter punch. Ooh, so specific. Well, because, like, we have The Conjuring 3, but we also have Annabelle Comes Home, right. and they're slightly involved in that as well. So you'll get a little of them in both those movies. I'm I Just put them in all the movies now. Yeah. Make, make them Nick Fury of The Conjuring, and I'm in. Are they not already? Not Are that. they not They're already not. in all of them? So far, they've yeah. only been in the Conjuring-specific films. And Conjuring proper, yeah. Comes Home will be their first sort of branch out into the franchise. I can't say I was all that surprised when I read this quote today, even though it feels like there's way more distance between the nun making a ton of movie, t- a ton of movie, a ton of money. <laughs> ton I don't know money. about that. <laughs> My brain is fried. <laughs> a ton of money opening weekend at the box office. I thought that the announcement would come much sooner thereafter. So it was a little surprising for it to pop up today. But the movie did make a good deal of money. It's not surprising that they're going to continue like another lane of the Conjuring film franchise. Even though The Nun worked for me. So 
When I say The Nun worked for me, it worked for me as more of an atmospheric experience. I liked it as a movie that felt like it was guiding me through a haunted house. I enjoyed that feeling. I think where The Nun really didn't work was the Nun lore and the mythology and introducing me to this new group of characters that's going to investigate The Nun. And those are the reasons that I would want a Nun sequel. So none of those reasons existed in the first one. And I got my haunted house. I don't need another one. So who knows what this this fun storyline they have is. But based on what I got from the first Nun, a Nun sequel is never something that I thought I needed. No, I would agree with that, but it was also, to me, a foregone conclusion. It's the highest-grossing film of the Conjuring franchise. Of course they're going to follow up on it. Yeah. Wow. Right? Well done. Big surprise to everyone, I think. Uh, And it's, you know, so I, I had never any doubts that that was going to be pursued in some regard. I hope that when he says fun story... It, it's something, I mean, not that the films so far haven't been creative, but I'd like to see something kind of weirder. They're all, they're all very wan. You mean weird like the Crooked Man weird? Sure. Wan like James Wan? Yeah, like they're in his house style. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> um, they haven't really abandoned that or taken too big of a swing away from that. So yeah. I would like to see the franchise grow and evolve a little bit, you know, like to to draw a parallel to the the biggest shared universe out there i would love to see someone come in and do the guardians of the galaxy of of these films Uh, and take it in a new direction i like that approach because i am growing like a little tired of you know the gray color palette and the tone that they strike for the box office here so the nun wound up grossing 365.5 million dollars worldwide the next one behind that is the first oh actually the second conjuring movie which just barely topped the first one. Second Conjuring movie uh, totaled $320 million, and then the first Conjuring movie was three nineteen. So it was a pretty good uh, chunk of cash ahead there and I'm curious to see if they could duplicate that kind of success. The other thing that gives me hope with the Nun sequel though is that first Annabelle movie is hands down my least favorite movie of the Conjuring franchise. It was such a major disappointment coming hot on the heels of the first Conjuring which was my favorite movie of 2013. I was so so bummed did not want any more annabelle then david sandberg steps in and he wound up delivering uh, creation annabelle creation and i didn't just think that was a better movie than annabelle i really liked that sequel i love what he did with it so if they find a filmmaker who can step in and do the same on this maybe i'll buy into it i i mean you know i'm not as uh, over the moon about creation as you are yeah, yeah. but it's I like that it's a strong breeding ground for directors that we're seeing come out of this. Obviously, Sandberg has proven himself quite well with Shazam right now. Especially the scary parts of Shazam, which are maybe a little too scary. I quite like the boardroom scene. They're good, but for a kid's movie, it's a little scary. No, 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 it's all good. Um, I just... You know, I I feel that he still was also playing to the Wan House style, and I'd yeah. like to see a bolder swing. I'd also like to shout out to whoever it is in the back that dropped the Hamlet quote on there. Thank you. Uh, did not notice that, but always applause for our production team because they work super hard. All right. 
Let's move in to our plugs because, as always, we have a ton of content coming your way. Check out Collider.com. As always, they do not stop writing great features, breaking news, you name it. Also, tomorrow on the YouTube channel, you could look forward to Collider Live. And even though a lot of us are picking up and heading to Chicago tomorrow, we do have an episode of Collider Movie Talk for you. It will not be live, but you can expect it in your subscription notification box, whatever that's called, at 4 p.m. p.m. So keep an eye out for that. We have a great panel for there. And then on top of that, oh, my God, Game of Thrones. It's like right around the corner now. So you can go watch What the Thrones, their preseason special. We had all I can't believe we have Star Wars Celebration and uh, Game of Thrones and Avengers Endgame coming up and Shazam doing really well. It's just there's so many big. It's a really chill month. Really. It's just so many big brands hopefully continuing to deliver really quality content because I think we've done pretty well with some of our franchises this year. All right. It is that time of the show where we talk about your live Twitter questions. I had one queued up right here from... Jake Scotty St. Clair, who's asking, today is National Siblings Day. What are your favorite on-screen siblings, favorite siblings working in the industry, and favorite movies to watch with your siblings or films about siblings? Wow, that was a lot of questions. I think you should just pick whichever one that you have an answer to off the top of your head. Favorite movie to watch with my brother? Actually, The Lion King, because we saw that. There was the summer that it hit hit home video. We We watched it literally every single day and by the end of that summer we could say recite the whole thing word for word so yeah when you when you ask what kind of movies do you like to watch if there's something that one comes to mind no i don't know if he plans to watch a live action one i'll have to ask him inquiring minds need to know i think i'd have to go with i mean really any any horror movie usually when i'm with lonnie she'll want to put on some sort of horror movie, but I feel like if I had to name one, it would be the entire Final Destination franchise. Nice. Like nothing. That's not, you said name one. That is, <laughs> you know, several. We play okay, fast and loose with I'll, the rules here. Right? I'll play your game. I'll play your game. <laughs> if, all right. So if I'm narrowing it from bit. horror movies to Final Destination, and then just to one movie, I think I would go Final Destination Two, which is my favorite of that franchise. Okay. Nice. My sister is, um, I have a half-sister, and she's a good deal older than me, so we didn't watch many movies together. She was, like, into our territory when I was just getting into PG. Um, So I will stick with the industry and movie question, although, hi, Diana, if you're watching, I love and adore you. We just don't watch a lot of movies together. I love the Muschietti's, which you know. Yes. uh, The filmmakers behind it and Mama, I think they are... Just really exciting, creative team, and really seem to be very passionate and humble, and and just I I love their whole vibe, and I love it. And my favorite on screen, or at least the one that came to mind first, would be Bill Hader, another it tie in there, and uh, Kristen Wiig and the Skeleton Twins. Which is <gasps> that's a, a good, supremely call. underrated. Film. I dig that. My mind immediately went to Anna and Elsa and Frozen because I I do think that's one of the main reasons why Frozen really kind of like grabbed hold of my heart and did. Didn't let let it go. I just, oh no! I, <laughs> like I did not. Now you have even, to sing it, Perry. I didn't even intend to do it, and it just like led me to that point. That's the effect of that movie. But I think that is the heart of that movie. And as someone with a sister who I love dearly, that's why that one was so important to me. Oh, I can't figure out who my favorite on-screen siblings are. But uh, since you brought up the Muschietti's, I will also throw in a plug for one of my favorite uh, siblings working in the industry, which are the Wachowskis. Oh yeah, everything they do. Even when I don't love it, I'm always just like, I want to see, I want to see what you picked up. Just, just bring it to me. Just 
I just put it directly into my eyeballs. Like, because even when it's not, even when it doesn't always work, it is always interesting. Nobody out there knows about the Jupiter ascending, like, love fest that happens. <laughs> oh my God. Jupiter ascending and Winter's Tale. Oh, yes, Winter's yeah. Tale is not them, and Jupiter Sending is a much better movie. I know, the but I grew films them. of the 21st century. Jupiter Sending, Cloud Atlas, Sense8, that is a yeah, show yeah. that is yeah. bonkers, but that I'm always just like, yes. I group Jupiter Ascending together with Winter's Tale because I feel like it has the same kind of entertainment value to me, which I wholeheartedly love, just maybe not for the reasons that the filmmakers intended. Is that one fair? has Colin Farrell and one doesn't, so I'm biased. But. Colin Farrell, like, riding a horse yeah. and a whole bunch of other weird things that I feel like I shouldn't get into right Watch now. Watch it if you haven't, guys. It's quite an experience. <laughs> All right. Now I have a question from Meteor Boy, who's asking, Disney is doing live-action remakes from their animated movies. Which live-action movie from any studio would you like to see animated? Oh. And then uh, Meteor Boy says, I think I'm open for RoboCop. Nice. It's a cool question. That is a cool question. I'm going to just start by saying the same thing I've been advocating for for a really long time, even though now that the franchise isn't doing too well, it's never going to happen. I want a slasher movie, a team-up slasher movie made out of Legos. (laughs) I love that. Oh. It seems like such a no-brainer to me, but I just don't foresee the Lego film franchise thriving like we once thought it would. But I do, I do want What gives you that impression? I want to see some sort of like R-rated horror movie mm-hmm. translated to animated style. Unsurprisingly, mine was also a horror movie uh, and a slasher. I, th- this actually has been, I think, discussed a little bit, but I would love to see an animated Chucky series. I think that would just be mm. a hoot. I'm really... Animated Chucky, Chucky series, or I would also take a stop-motion Gremlins movie. Oh, that's good. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But, like, just just gremlins. I don't want any people characters. I just want, like, life of gremlins. And, okay. <laughs> the secret the, life of gremlins? The secret, the secret life of gremlins, where we see everything from the gremlin perspective, and all you see is, like, Muppet Baby style, like, people legs. They can shoot it like they're shooting cats. John <laughs> <laughs> It all comes back to cats, yes. doesn't it? Always does. Um, well, today I saw a trailer for Lion King, which I believe is a live-action movie that I think would actually look incredible animated. Um, Interesting. Oh, classic Angie Snark right there. I love it. Um, no, I mean, I don't have a specific movie that I'm thinking of, but I will say that I think more... I would like to see more animated superhero movies because I think that animation... that superheroes kind of come alive in animation in a lot of ways that that is a lot harder for them to do in live action isn't that what if series going to be animated i don't know is that the is that the marvel thing that's going to be animated I don't know either. On Disney Plus? I'll, Did I'll they look announce it, up. it today? No, no, no. This was announced a little while ago oh. where it's like, you know, the, the what if comics where it's not necessarily oh. tied specifically to the, the MCU as we know it now, where it's like more creative opportunities. I like that. I was uh, thinking of, they announced today some Marvel documentaries that sound kind of cool. But that uh, I hadn't heard about that, and that I like that idea a lot. I have a great follow-up to what you just brought up, but I do want to clarify if it's going to be animated or not. We will get there as I read our <laughs> next question, which is from It's Ray 3 who asks, if you could adapt any documentary into a feature film, which would you choose? Oh. I mean, really, 
going off what you just said, I love movies that dig into the process of filmmaking. I really loved The Disaster Artist, for example. So if they were to, let's say, do a making of the MCU type documentary or the making of any major movie, whether it was a huge success or failure, I would be interested in seeing a, you know, like a narrative feature. We are through the looking glass now. So you want a documentary about making the MCU and then a movie about the documentary? Yes, please. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I was keeping up. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, if yeah. we're doing that, I want to see the behind the scenes on Cats. Make yeah. that a movie. I think they should just not release that as like a fully edited feature film. And they should just release like raw B-roll. Yes. <laughs> Into it. I, uh... I just got so distracted by thinking about cats again. <laughs> All right, I can I can steer a semi back on track because it is it's a new animated show that's going to be overseen by uh, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios. Back to you, Haley. Oh, back to me so soon. Uh, they kind of did it already, but I, I would like to see a non musical take on Grey Gardens that would you know be a little maybe a little more artsy and fancy. I mean, I like the I like the version they did with Drew Barrymore and everything, but I it's my favorite documentary and I would love to see like I would like to see it get the Oscar movie treatment with just like the best actors in the industry. Again, love the one they made. Just really going ham on those characters with an incredible budget and production value. Anything come to mind? Um, I think a lot of the true crime stuff that is that you know that we watch, like a lot of times, I'm like, uh, I might like this better as a narrative feature. So I'd be curious about that. Uh, like making a murder is one where I was like, this is interesting, but mm-hmm. I do, and I don't necessarily think it's a good idea to do it because the it's very real and right. the people are still very much <laughs> yeah, alive yeah. and all that. Um, but just I, I think I think that would be something that I would be interested in. The other one that, that kind of popped into my head immediately was: Have you ever seen the documentary Cropsy? Oh my goodness! Yeah, no, what's that? yeah, like long, long ago. I think it de- debuted at a uh, Tribeca, but. Cropsy is kind of not necessarily that documentary, but the story of Cropsy is near and dear to my heart because it was a sleepaway camp legend. It was always, you know, like Cropsy was basically the big bad slasher or villain that lived in the woods. And any night that the moon was orange, like Cropsy was going to come out and kill you. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we love our little local legends, but I also that's such a strange film that I would love to see them keep some of that tone to it and turn it into I a feel like feature. there was a point where they were thinking about doing more with it or may I think maybe it might have even been realistic that they wanted to adapt it into a narrative feature or something and maybe uh, plans fell apart I don't know you never know it could come back in the news three days from now it, re- it really could yeah. and we would have been the first to think about it <laughs> you heard it here first all right that is our show for today thank you guys so much for watching but a huge thank you to Angie and Haley for being here today Angie where can everybody find find you on the internet um you can find me you can find my writing at mashable which is mashable.com and then you can also reach out to me on twitter at ajhan and Haley. you can find my writing on collider.com you can find me on instagram at haystack mcgroovy and you can find me on twitter at Haley fat and you can catch my adventures at star wars celebration on twitter and instagram at pnemroff also keep an eye on the collider video instagram account the twitter feeds are going gonna go crazy i just hope you're ready for star wars overload because that's what's gonna happen over the next few days and i couldn't be more thrilled about it adam in the booth as always thank you for all your hard work especially today you were overloaded and i know it and you rock thank you guys out there for watching this show do not forget to like and share the video and also tell everybody you know about movie talk in podcast format as well 
Oh, boy. Can't believe what we're in for the next few days. It's going to be great. But we will see you tomorrow, 4 p.m. PT, for another episode of Movie Talk. There's an underdog story happening today in America. Small businesses are fighting to make a comeback. But in the moment they have the least, they're giving the most. They're rallying communities and neighborhoods, yet asking for little in return. Well, it's time we gave back. Small Unites is making it simple for everyone to take action and support the small businesses that unite us all. Find out how you can donate, shop, and share today at smallunites.org. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.